SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Happy Friday. It is Fantasy Sports Today, getting you ready for the weekend. Lots to get to here on the show. Of course, it is NBA Finals Game 2 tonight between the Miami Heat and Los Angeles Lakers. Full college football slate tomorrow. All of the SEC is back, of course, for Week 2 there. We're going to get the Big Ten and the Pac-12 back pretty soon as well. It's the NFL on Sunday. Major League Baseball postseason today. We got it all covered for you here on the show, getting you ready, as well as the DFS slate on Sunday, too. I am Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizapia for the next two hours here. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter, me at Craig Mish, him at Joe Pizapia17, and us, of course, at SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. And certainly, Joe, we have our fair share to get into today. More postseason baseball. We're thinning out the field a little bit from 16 on down. <laughs> We certainly are. Clayton Kershaw certainly looked like he was uh, just doing it all by himself yesterday. Uh, a great outing from him. And after yesterday's little quote here that we had on the show from him and the little snippet of the video, it was great to see him kind of just release it all and say, you know what, I'm not going to overthink it anymore. I'm just going to go out there and pitch. And you know what? If that's working now for Clayton Kershaw, and clearly it is, and I think everybody should be very afraid because if you can get him and Walker Bueller going and the rest of that rotation going, my goodness, the Dodgers are going to be tough to stop in the National League. But everybody thought that to begin with. And, of course, last night, Craig, the Jets, well, they jetted because that's what the Jets do. Yeah, just uh, just a horrible uh, game in general, and, and I ended up watching the – Final quarter and a half of that game, and it's uh, you know basically 30 minutes of my life that I'm never going to get back, unfortunately. But uh, let's dive into the headlines here on this Friday. It's October the 2nd, 2020, and that's where we'll start with Clayton Kershaw, who struck out 13 yesterday as the Dodgers advance to round two. Lots of discussion around baseball this morning about the 16-team playoff field, and uh, I think it's going away after seeing what the Brewers ended up doing in the postseason, backing in, being under 500, barely putting up a fight for a couple days. We'll get into that a little bit later in the show. Fernando Tatis Jr. homered twice and led the rally behind the Padres as they defeated the Cardinals. They've tied that series at one, and they will wrap up the series today. A very exciting game last night played between those teams. Tatis Machado go back-to-back. Will Myers ended up homering a couple of times. The Padres can mash, no doubt. Can they win, though, today? That's the bigger question. The Oakland A's finally win a series. They advanced to the American League Division Series. They took out the Chicago White Sox and relatively easy after game one. Doc Rivers is the new coach of the Philadelphia 76ers, and Doc just goes from place to place, probably wins from place to place. My guess is he'll win a little bit with Philadelphia, too. It is game two of the NBA Finals. We don't know exactly the health of the Miami Heat, but certainly they'll take on the Lakers, desperate for a win as they're already down 1-0 with a couple of players being injured. Goran Dragic is the one serious one that we'll have to keep an eye on. Uh, As Joe mentioned, the battle of 0-3s goes to the Denver Broncos against the New York Jets. The Broncos basically tried to do everything possible to give that game to the Jets. It just simply would not be enough. Going for field goals, needing an inch, uh, you know, falling down on the quarter. It was just a disaster. uh, (laughs) both Both teams are terrible. 
and the Jets were more terrible yesterday. And then, of course, the news uh, earlier today from ESPN, this is following the same exact model as, as baseball, unfortunately, for the Tennessee Titans. When we look back at sports in 2020, we'll look at the Marlins, we'll look at the Cardinals, and now we'll absolutely be looking at the Tennessee Titans as they have a full-on outbreak of players testing positive for COVID-19. Their game next Sunday, no question, is already in doubt. Their game postponed this week. So uh, lots to unpack here on today's show, Joe. We'll get to all the MLB games in the postseason. Of course, we have games coming up today, 2 o'clock Eastern, Marlins and Cubs. But certainly we have our fair share to get into here on the show. We certainly do, and that's unfortunate. Obviously, there's more positive tests, but certainly not surprising to say the least. And uh, in the battle of the Ophers, look, uh, you know, the Jets are going to have 5,000 personal fouls in games. They're, they're absolutely going to lose football games. I mean, it's just a, a matter of fact, and this is nothing new. We've seen Greg Williams' defenses do this in the past. There's cheap shots galore, after plays, during plays, in between plays. That's just what they do over there. And uh, I'm going to ask you where the next Jet win is because here's the rest of the schedule going forward for the Jets. They play the Cardinals, the Chargers, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Patriots. Are they going to go over or do they win one of these games here? Uh, I think they got a shot to win one. Yeah, I, I'd say that they end up winning one. I mean, they were very close to winning that game yesterday. So I, I think that they'll win one of those four. Maybe not next week, but maybe the Chargers. That sounds that sounds winnable to me. I don't think they'll go in 16. I think they'll win a game eventually. I don't know. I mean, I think Arizona might give them fits. But uh, I think you're right. The Chargers are that one you circle and you get the W there because if you don't, then the next couple games there, Buffalo, <laughs> Kansas City, New England, those don't like matchups that are favorable for the Jets or for Adam Gase. But no. the good news is we heard that we're going to get Le'Veon Bell back and we're going to get uh, Brashad Perryman back. We got Jamison Crowder back. So in fantasy circles, at least Crowder looked very good. That's something you could take away from that game. And obviously he's the go-to guy for Sam Darnold. There is zero doubt about that. If you had any doubts about that, I don't know what you've been watching all these years with him, but certainly Crowder looked like he was up to the task and he has been a target monster for the Jets since he's got yeah, he he definitely has been. And again, when you're when you're zero and three and kicking a field goal on fourth and one, I mean that 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 to me was sort of at that point I knew that it was really close. Uh, but I mean, you got to go for that on fourth down, get the first down, at least try for the touchdown. They would have killed some clock and then maybe had a chance to win at the end of the game. But zero confidence in the coach uh, from the offense there for sure. All right, our fantasy standout coming up next. We'll dive into that from last night's game and also the baseball games. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today with you here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Craig Miss, Joe Pizzapia. We got you here till 2 o'clock Eastern. Jim Sanis is going to be with us coming up a little bit later in the show. We'll go over all of the DFS options, of course, for week four of the NFL. Also, Howard Bender from Fantasy Alarm and Wager Alarm. Howard and I will give you some early leans on our picks this week coming up for the Super Contest at the Westgate. We went below 500 this past week. Got to get above 500 this week. Hopefully, we'll be able to do that, but certainly... 
It's a wacky NFL season. Very hard to predict these games even harder in 2020, as it would appear. So let's dive into the fantasy ramifications from last night's game in the NFL between the Jets and Broncos as fast as we can so we can just move on from that and never talk about it ever again. (laughs) We'll start off with Melvin Gordon of the Broncos. Melvin Gordon had a late scamper for a touchdown, which saved his fantasy day for sure. I think it was a 40-yard touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. But 23 carries, 107 yards, a touchdown. He had two receptions for 11 yards. Gordon did nothing in this game until the end, where the Jets forgot he was running around, didn't see him, and then he ran in for a 40-yard touchdown. Uh, Tim Patrick, who no one started in fantasy in any league, in any format, in any world, had six catches for 113 yards. He was the star of the game. Hey, Jerry Judy had a nice long touchdown in this one and then went quiet the rest of the way, but who cares? We'll give him the 13-14 fantasy points and take it. Two receptions, 61 yards, and a touchdown there. Crowder was the shining light amongst all fantasy players in the game. Seven receptions, 104 yards. He was probably started by about 50-60% of fantasy leagues, and he came through. And then Jeff Smith. Whoever you are, young man. Seven receptions, 81 yards. Congratulations to him. Uh, again, not started, not owned, not played in any fantasy league. And so in general, uh, the one thing that we're learning as the NFL season rolls on, uh, very simply put, based on trends, based on numbers, based on stats, is the games are are not being played defensively almost by any team in the NFL this season. That was the only takeaway, uh, Joe, that I had uh, from last night's game, uh, third straight game going over the total on Thursday Night Football, Two teams that essentially can't score at all against good teams, just putting up massive amounts of points. I got to tell you, betting unders in the NFL this season, no matter what the totals are, seem to be a dangerous proposition because even at the half, I didn't watch the first half, but even at the half, it was very obvious looking at the amount of points that were scored that the game was going to go over again. And so with names like Jeff Smith and Tim Patrick and, (laughs) and Brett Rippon, it just doesn't matter who's on the field. There's so many points being scored in these games that uh, it, it creates basically a level in fantasy and DFS that it's like you look at Jerry Judy's game and you're like, yeah, he had a really good game. He had 60 yards and a touchdown. Like that's not even going to be close to enough to be a wide receiver three based on the numbers the last few weeks. So uh, points are just at a premium this year like we've never seen. No, they're absolutely true. And uh, I would say that trend is going to continue because there's nothing so far that shows us anything differently. And part of that is because you have some phenomenal talent playing on the offensive side right now in some of these teams. Now, a lot of that talent was not on display last night and it still went to the over. But you are seeing, look, the bigger, faster, stronger version of these kind of players playing on the outside, playing wide receiver, playing running back. It's stuff that you're not used to. Plus, it's a much faster game. You're seeing these guys who have this track-like speed, the Tyreek Hills of the world, the Henry Ruggs of the world who are coming into the NFL and changing how things are. Nicole Hardman, another guy. So everyone is so fast right now. It's very difficult to keep up with that from a defensive standpoint. We've had some good individual one or two game runs from defenses. The Chargers had a couple good games they strung together before last week, losing to the Carolina Panthers. That looked like a better defense. Uh, the Chiefs defense, I think, is pretty decent. Uh, but overall, you're right. The over seem to be the trend. It seems to be where things are going. And it's not surprising. Look, you did get the 40-yard touchdown here for Melvin Gordon. That was huge there at the end of the game. So you take it. Yeah, you got it on one play. But you know what? It was a good job by Melvin Gordon. He ran into a brick wall, and then he bounced outside. And great job by Brett Rippon 
been following him out there, throwing that block. And I can't believe how, I mean, I guess I can believe it, but the predictability of the Broncos running on first down last night was unbelievable. If you took a shot every time the Broncos ran on first down last night, you were hammer drunk by the third quarter of that game. There's no way around it. It was amazing how predictable they were. And that play was a first down run at the end of the game where he ran it again and they ran right in and he was able to just bounce it outside. And luckily that was the difference maker for the Broncos. But the Jets, you asked me yesterday about the Jets and Sam Darnold, and I said it's very tough to evaluate him. I think after watching again last night, when you saw at least a piece in Jamison Crowder, you saw a little bit more confidence. Uh, The guy throws a good ball. He's got arm strength. Uh, I think it's just very difficult when you're working at such a deficit with what's around you. And we've seen quarterbacks work with things and make them better. Tom Brady has done it. Russell Wilson's done it. But you know what? I think at the end of the day, you look back on it, and all of those moments and all those pieces are much better than anything else that Sam Darnold's currently working with. Okay, no more. All right, uh, over no to more. Major League Baseball. No more Jets. Uh, let's go to look at the fantasy standouts from yesterday because this is just way more important than anything Jets-related. Ian Anderson uh, really came through yesterday for the Atlanta Braves. Six innings pitched, no earned runs, nine strikeouts. The pathetic Reds did not score a run two days in a row. Get out. I do not want to see you again. Pathetic. Will Myers, two home runs, five RBIs for the Padres. They rallied in a big way. They were down in that game. It could have been over for them. They came back thanks to him, thanks to Tatis, as you see here. Two home runs, five RBIs. Uh, White Sox end up losing. It was a big struggle for Luis Robert the last month of the season. He hit a home run yesterday, and, and that's he really needed that to build some confidence going into next year because he was the bona fide easy pick for Rookie of the Year, and he ain't going to win it. It's going to be Kyle Lewis, but he did get two hits yesterday and drove in two runs. Hey, Chad Pinder, really nice kid, ended up getting two hits, came into the game off the bench, drove in two runs. He was the catalyst with Oakland's comeback. We don't talk about some of these kids a lot, especially late in the season. Give him credit for that. And then Clayton Kershaw definitely had one of his better games that we've seen in the postseason. It is enough already. This guy is just a star. I am happy to see him do what he did yesterday for sure. Eight innings pitch, no one runs, 13 strikeouts. The Brewers were another team that did not deserve to be in the postseason and uh, and and really showed it. Finished the season under 500. Kershaw just dominated them yesterday. It was not particularly close. And now all of the teams that advance are going to go into the playoff bubble in California and in the state of Texas. Of course, Clayton Kershaw is from Texas. He lives right outside of Arlington and talked about that yesterday. Basically, he is going home for the postseason, or is he? Yeah, if you would have told me that the first time I'm ever going to pitch in Texas is in the division series against somebody that's not the Rangers, I mean, it's just like it's the craziest thing ever. But uh, actually, I've never we have been to been to Texas a few times. I've never actually gotten to pitch there, so um, it's going to be weird. You know, I'm, I live literally you know 10 minutes from the team hotel, and so I'm going to be staring at friends and family through a glass wall and. Um, so it, it, it's just a, it's a weird deal, but the good news is it's a weird deal for everybody. And um, you know, I think I think the bubble will be will be fun. You know, get to be able to actually interact with some people finally. So um, that that'll be great. Yeah, it's it's going to be strange no matter how you look at it. All sports have been strange in 2020, but the good news is is that. Uh, baseball seems to have gotten their act together and have got everybody healthy and everybody playing. And barring anything unforeseen, I think we're going to get a legitimate division series, a, a, a legitimate wild card series. We had it. 
Now we'll get ALCS and NLCS, and I think the World Series. And I think at this point, the teams, Joe, that have advanced, to me, are sort of the real playoff teams at this point. Um, the teams that have gotten knocked out, some of them just definitely did not deserve to be there, and I thought they showed that this round. Yeah, look, I'm disappointed about the Reds. There's no doubt about that because I do think they kind of deserve to be there and maybe a longer series that pitching would have panned out a little differently. But if you don't score any runs, you're not going to win any games. Spoiler alert. So bad job by them in that offense, unfortunately, which was inconsistent most of the year, even though they got better as the year went on. But uh, the Dodgers still look like the favorites. And you're right. You look at the American League. It looks like all the favorites pretty much. So maybe this extra round of playoffs really didn't matter for a whole lot. But it was fun to have a little bit extra baseball. And now we'll see how things go as they transition to the bubble series as we continue to move on here with MLB. We got the update coming up at the top of the hour from Chris. And then we'll get a preview of the game tonight in the NBA Finals. Heat and Lakers, most importantly, I don't know who to play on FanDuel and DFS, and Greg and Jeremy will have that for you as well. So don't go anywhere. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey everybody, what's going on? I am Greg Sussman, joined today by Jeremy Stein of Sports Grid, who's here to break down tonight's Game 2 of the NBA Finals. What's going on, Jeremy? Not too much. Unfortunately, we saw a lot of injuries on the Miami side in Game 1. Hopefully that team can recover and we can continue to have a great NBA Finals. Ben Adebayo is doubtful for tonight. Goran Dragic, doubtful tonight. So it's these other pieces that are going to have to step up for the Miami Heat. We'll get to them in just a moment. We begin with your MVP tonight, and you're going back to LeBron James with that near triple-double in game one, and he was shocked that Duncan Robinson was guarding him because Duncan Robinson can't guard him. Correct. Duncan Robinson is not capable of guarding LeBron James. The only person on that team that is capable is Jimmy Butler. But the problem is you also have Anthony Davis and given that Bam is doubtful and not likely to play this evening, it's going to be very difficult for them to cover both of those players. I do expect LeBron to put up a lot of points and a lot of big numbers tonight. There is blowout risk, however. This, though, is a little bit more of a touchy subject because unlike the regular season, I find it a lot more difficult to believe that LeBron is going to willingly have himself pulled from a finals game. But there is always that possibility. Game one on Tuesday night was certainly a big lead for the Lakers. LeBron still played 36 minutes in that one. So he was in there for a lot of the game. Obviously got closer in the fourth quarter. But LeBron should be in there for most of tonight's contest because I agree it's the NBA Finals. What are you saving up for? Same could be said about Anthony Davis, who is your star tonight. You have LeBron as your MVP. You have AD as your star. Why is that the direction you chose? Why not flip-flop? I really think that, one, if anybody's going to play more minutes tonight, it's going to be Anthony Davis. He's much younger than LeBron James, so that makes a lot more sense from that perspective. Additionally, I think that they have to put Jimmy Butler on LeBron James. And given that there is not going to be BAM tonight, I think that Anthony Davis is in a prime spot to put up a ton of offensive points. 
Offensively, he is just a monster. Defensively as well, you can't go wrong with LBJ or AD, but with LeBron uh, helping you in more categories theoretically than AD, that's why uh, MVP and Star, both of them work in your lineups tonight and both need to be in your lineup this evening. Let's go to the Miami Heat side and the players that have to step up. And let's start with Tyler Harrow, who was so good in that Eastern Conference Finals and, and had his moments here in Game 1, but needs to be even better here in Game 2. Yeah, he needs a lot more moments in Game 2. And quite frankly, the offense is really going to need to depend on him. Jimmy Butler is going to be double and triple teamed in many situations. So I expect him to get a lot of good looks from beyond the arc and hopefully he knocks those shots down. The looks are going to be there. Hopefully he'll come through for Miami. As we said, we want to see a good series and Harris needs to hit these shots in order to make that happen. Moving on to the utility spot with Goran Dragic out, you're going with Kendrick Nunn here, who had such a huge first half of the NBA season. Things changed rotation-wise for him in the second half, but if Miami's gonna win the night or be in it, they had a monstrous game out of Nunn. Correct. He was the primary starter throughout the entire NBA season, but things kind of flip-flopped a little bit in the bubble. And then when playoffs came around, things flipped to Drogic. Now that Garan is not likely to be in the pitchers tonight, Nunn is going to be the primary ball handler. And I do believe that given his price range, he does have a lot of upside. And he is one of those players who is going to need to step up He's probably going to play in the 37 to 40 minute range at minimum tonight. That's right, without Dragic in the lineup, this team once again turns to Kendrick Nunn here as the primary ball handler on the team. And he needs to step up in a big way, which will help Miami Heat, and of course help you inside your FanDuel lineups. Jeremy, we appreciate the time. Good luck tonight. Thank you so much. There you have it. That is the lineup that's going to win you the cash tonight. Head on over to FanDuel and make it happen. For Jeremy Stein, I am Greg Sussman. Enjoy game two. And we'll see you back here next week for another edition of the NBA Tip Trail. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizzapia. We got you here until 2 o'clock Eastern. Good to have you back here on the show. Thanks again to Greg and Jeremy for that update on tonight's game. DFS action is going to be very prevalent this weekend, not just in the NBA, Joe, but also, of course, in the NFL. We're going to take a look at some possible stacks this weekend as we are trying to get ahead of the game and win some money in DFS, Joe. So give me an idea as to who you're stacking this weekend. Well, look, uh, when it comes to stacks, chalk is not a bad thing. Just look at last week, the lineup that won a million dollars, right? Had a ton of pieces from which games, Seattle and Dallas, which everybody was on, everybody was into. And if you had all of that, you did pretty well. And I think it's something that people tend to get a little afraid of, like, oh, this game is so chalky. Oh, this game's going to have a lot of scoring in it. I'm going to go be so different. Well, you know what? You don't want to be different. You just want to have some differential within that game. And that's the difference. It's not about being different with the teams all the time. Sometimes it's just about being 
different with the players on said teams. The difference maker in that lineup that really won tournaments was having Michael Gallup instead of having Amari Cooper necessarily or having, let's say, a one-off tight end, somebody like Jimmy Graham come through with two touchdowns. That's the kind of differential you're looking for where that one piece really separates you. But this week, there's a couple chalky uh, stacks that look really good and a few that are a little more outside the box. So let's get to them here. And let's start with the Miami Dolphins. Look, in terms of the Seattle Seahawks, Right now, they have lost Jamal Adams here in this game. They have a couple other pieces that were banged up on defense. So looking at Fitzpatrick, in terms of value, it is there. He's a good tournament play at quarterback. You know he can throw the football around. They're going to have to throw the football around to keep up with them. Gaskin looked really solid in the last outing. He's looked pretty solid all year. Devontae Parker looked like he's finally getting healthy last week. A little bit of extra rest doesn't hurt. Gasecki uh, on the tight end spot. So the Dolphins look like a potential good one. And I'll tell you what, another one that's outside of the box, Greg, before we get to the chalky ones, is the fifth one on this grouping here. And it's the Minnesota Vikings, who are playing for their season, basically, against Houston. And I don't think I've been very impressed. I don't know about you, that Houston Texans defense this year. Uh, Cousins, for whatever reason, last year when he turned the page in October, things got really good. You saw him hook up a ton with Jefferson last week, but I think it would be interesting to go with Thielen in this grouping. Cook is always great. Cousins, the roster percentage is going to be super low. Thielen always has big-time wide receiver one upside, and I think after last week, a lot of people will be looking for the cheaper version of Jefferson as opposed to going back to Thielen. So what do you think about those two as kind of the uh, two stacks that are maybe off the grid just a tad? Yeah, Minnesota's struggles have really, uh, I mean, it's really hard to believe that they've gotten to this point and they haven't even scraped out a win. I thought last week against Tennessee was their best opportunity to do that. From a defensive point of view, I guess it's not basically surprising. It's stunning just because how good their defense has been the last mm-hmm. few years. In terms of Houston's defense, they're very good against the pass. They have not been able to stop anybody against the run. So I definitely think Dalvin Cook is absolutely in play this week. Uh, that is one player that I would be targeting both for DFS and, of course, you have no choice other than that to play him in uh, in season-long leagues. In terms of the Rams, it would appear that they have such a great matchup, but my concern with the game that they're playing in is actually the other side. And it's not that I think that the other side is good, but is Washington going to play through the end of this game? They did not play to the end last week, and they just laid down and started handing the ball off at the end of the game, and they were almost afraid to make Haskins look any worse than he was. So that would well, be my Rams concern. Are playing, the Rams are playing the Giants this week, just for clarification. So a little different in terms of so, maybe the matchup. Who, who, maybe who Washington play against? Washington is playing confusion? Baltimore this week. So it's Baltimore that I would be worried about there. So not so much yeah. with the Giants. So yes, well, I would good, be they're not on the list. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but in terms of the Rams, I think getting pieces, you, what you're kind of talking about is not out of line with uh, the Rams situation either, because there is a thought process. Maybe they could be up right away in this game. And how does that affect things? But I don't think it's going to affect it all too much. I think the Rams are going to continue to score because McVay is a very aggressive head coach. And I think they need to continue to build confidence in this offense. So Goff is in play. Obviously, both of the wide receivers in play if you want to mix and match them. But don't forget about those other two guys. Don't forget about Daryl Henderson, who looks like he is going to be the lead back again this week. Very cost-effective. We'll get to more of him probably later in the show. And then don't forget about Tyler Higby, too. I know he had a couple touchdowns a couple weeks ago against the Eagles, but do not forget that the Giants struggle mightily against tight ends the last few seasons. So far, been pretty much the same thing this year. So Higby is another guy in. And, of course, you have the two chalky Dallas and Seattle back again. I don't want to give them too much airtime because – 
we all know that those are really good ones. But what I'm trying to do here is show you some responsible ones where the scoring could really be surprising. The roster percentage might be low. And when you're talking about Minnesota and that defense being bad, well, there's going to be a necessity then to push and keep trying to score points then and keep trying to be aggressive. And whether that means Kirk Cousins throwing the ball at Dalvin Cook, which he does quite a bit anyway, or throwing to somebody like Thielen, I'm just trying to get out there and show people that there's a few different stacks besides the Rams, uh, besides Seattle, besides Dallas that you can look at. But I think that Rams one is intriguing too, because as far as cost effectiveness, they are really good. They are very mid value, which allows you to pay up a defense. And I'll tell you what, you can make a good case for the Rams defense this week too, with that Giants running game that looked absolutely terrible last week. I don't think it's going to get better over the last six days necessarily. And we all know Daniel Jones has a propensity to turn the football over. He had trouble protecting the football last year, led the league in fumbles last year for quarterbacks. A couple of quick updates also uh, around the league. The Seahawks, uh, Pete Carroll, their head coach today, said uh, Chris Carson had a good week of practice possibly for the weekend. I added Travis Homer for a buck this morning just to see what would happen with Carson. But uh, safe to say at this point, Carson looks like he will play this week for Seattle against Miami. And also the NFL rescheduled the Titans week four game against the Steelers to now week seven which means mm-hmm. that the Steelers' Week 7 game against the Ravens is pushed back to Week 8. And, of course, we'll get more clarity on what the Titans may end up doing next week as we find out if they have any more positive tests this weekend. That is definitely for sure. All right, we got to take a quick time out on Fantasy Sports today, but make sure you stay tuned. Also, don't forget our YouTube channel on SportsGrid also provides all of our videos throughout the week and on the weekend as well. we got great programming leading you all the way up to college football on Saturday and, of course, the NFL on Sunday. Don't forget to like and subscribe on YouTube. Also to our SportsGrid radio channel as well. We'll be back more here on FFP. Make sure you stay on. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. It is Fantasy Sports Today, getting you ready for week four of the NFL season. It's time to take a look at some potential start and sit questions that you may have going into week four. I know certainly I got to get some questions answered going into the week. And Joe, the running back position this year is unlike any other. You basically have more injuries than we've ever seen. The top two guys are out. There are others that are also banged up. And so when you're looking at some of these potential names and some of the options in a normal season, you would say, yeah, that'd be great to have this player for my fill-in. But given what's happened already and what potentially could be happening to come, there are going to be some players that you wouldn't have expected a month ago to be starting in ER this week. Yeah, and there's even a few tough matchups this week where some guys have been helping you fill that void of all these running back injuries that don't have the best matchup this week. So it gets a little bit more complicated. And just to be upfront, if you have a Giants running back, sit them this week. Sit, sit, sit. So let's look at the running backs and who's sitting and who's starting. And let's start at the top here with Mike Davis, who... Look, Carolina looked good last week with him. They were basically giving him the CMC workload for the most part. I'll tell you what, you're going to give me that against the Arizona Cardinals defense? I will take that workload, especially in full point PPR. I would absolutely be starting Mike Davis. I think he's probably a mid-range RB2 this week. If you can start him as a flex, hey, great. That's fantastic. Daryl Henderson definitely starting him after last week. 
He was incredibly efficient with the football. Pro Football Focus last week had him over the last two weeks as the most efficient running back. That's a fun little stat. And uh, certainly he's going to have some opportunities against that Giants defense as well. Latavius Murray is actually in play this week because of what we were talking about just now, which you mentioned all the injuries and all kind of uh, some other guys that you like that don't have the best matchup. But I actually think Latavius Murray has enough room here where in a deeper league, you can actually throw him out there as a flex this week as they try to continue in New Orleans to figure out what the identity of this team is this year. Uh, Joshua Kelly, I have loved. I've talked about him a ton on this show, but this week I do not love him. I think you have to sit him this week against Tampa Bay. This run defense is for real. They were for real last year. They're playing even better this year. So for me, Joshua Kelly, I would look elsewhere for him. And J.K. Dombins would be a sit for me too. Now, you can make the argument he might get some work here in this game if they are indeed up by a lot as the Baltimore Ravens, one would think, would be over the Washington football team. However, I think it's also imperative that Mark Ingram gets some work to and continue to get in the rhythm. So I don't know if Dobbins is really as exciting as some other people might think. To me, I think I would rather find somebody else there. I think even a piece like Latavius Murray, I would rather be starting over Dobbins. So, Craig, any thoughts about these guys one way or the other? I would ask you this. What do you think Mark Ingram's stat line will be this week against Washington? Uh, 16 for more, probably somewhere on 16 or 17 for 75 and a touchdown. I hope so. <laughs> because if not, I cannot start this guy anymore. I'm going to have to look at touchdown I, last I, week. Actually, two weeks no ago, excuse me, in the beginning. Yeah. yeah, no, 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 <laughs> no. No, look, last brutal. week, that's game script. Listen, that last week against the Chiefs, that game script got out of whack for them. They should have gone back to running the football. That's what they do. That's the identity of the team. They got down early, and they got away from that, and they paid for it. So the lesson to be learned with them is it doesn't matter if the other team jumps on you if you're Baltimore. you got to get back to what you do. And, look, you have every reason to be a little afraid here of Mark Ingram this year, but I don't think Dobbins is worth a start over Mark Ingram for sure. Not this week. Yeah, no, I, I just am really needing Ingram to to get me ten points, and and that's I'll be totally fine with that if he do, or even eight oh, points. I, but look, it's hard to imagine him not getting in the end zone, and if he does, that's a lock for ten. So, uh, yeah, I would say that I don't, I could not guarantee that he's going to get in the end zone. I need him to yeah. get in the end zone. Like I have to have him, that. I mean, maybe write him a nice letter, like send him a. Send him an edible arrangement. Dear Mark, I would love for you to get in the end zone. Enjoy these strawberry roses. Okay, let's look at the uh, start and sits for wide receiver. And yeah. let's see if the bachelor is getting a rose here. It's Devontae Parker, <laughs> Miami against Seattle. Jarvis Landry of the Cleveland Browns at Dallas. And we got Nikhil Harry for New England. Of course, the Patriots showing up here somehow at Kansas City, Joe. So give me the start and sits from these three. I know you hate to understand, but yes, they, they do play football, and therefore they have players that we're going to talk about. And you know, just Nikhil Harry is a guy to talk about because there's a good chance that he's going to get involved in this game. The target volume has gone up, and that's a good thing. I would actually start him this week. Jarvis Landris, Jar, excuse me, Jarvis Landry, I would definitely start as well because I think he would be the biggest beneficiary of any play action that they're running this week. And if indeed the he who should not be named on this show anymore uh, is questionable so far entering into this game, there's a good chance that Landry gets a little bit more workload in the passing game. But regardless, I think Landry is a pretty good floor play this week against the Cowboys because they really struggle with guys over the middle ever since Vander Esch went out. There's just basically it's just like a happy zone where you could throw on them all the time in the middle of the field. And Devontae Parker, I know people have been kind of slow to get him back into lineups. 
I think you do start him and get him out there this week for sure. I think he started to look more like himself last week. That's good. It's a really good matchup for him against Seattle. So all three of these guys are starts. And I'll make one more caveat too because we just got some news about DJ Shark who is trending in the right direction also. If he is on the field and you need another wide receiver this week, I think you take the shot with him against Cincinnati. Not so much because you think Shark is super healthy, but because he might be healthy enough to still get points against Cincinnati. All right, let's go to the tight ends. And this is always tough to figure out who is going to start because it's a week-to-week deal with just about everyone. And a lot of people are streaming tight ends, as they always are every season. Dalton Schultz has a pretty good matchup again. He's been very solid for the Cowboys. He'll take on the Cleveland Browns this week. Logan Thomas, boy, uh, is up against it for sure, up against Baltimore with uh, Haskins still a quarterback, at least for the time being. Jimmy Graham has surprisingly been viable as the Bears take on the Indianapolis Colts. And then Austin Hooper at this stage, Cleveland at Dallas. I no longer. I don't think. I don't even know if I still own Hooper. I mean, I don't think I do. I think I ended up cutting him, but uh, he's been a big bust thus far. Yeah, he has. And I think even though it's very tempting to go with him this week against Dallas, I would still be looking elsewhere. I would be starting Schultz over him. Uh, I would even be starting Jimmy Graham over him. Which I know earmuffs. I know you don't like to hear this, but. He's getting all those red zone targets, and as long as there's a steady diet of those coming through, it's very difficult not to start Jimmy Graham in lineups this week. It's just tough. You have to. Look at the touchdown upside of Graham versus a guy like Hooper. It's night and day right now in their respective offenses. So you have to kind of take that, and as good as Indianapolis looked last week, Indianapolis still has a lot of holes in it overall. Uh, Logan Thomas is a tough one. I think in PPR you can start him, but in half or in uh, standard leagues, I think I would actually sit Logan Thomas against Baltimore this week. I would expect that Baltimore defense to kind of take out their frustrations of last week on the Washington football team, so be careful with that one. And Dalton Schultz, you know, (laughs) I remember you joked around the first time I put him on here and after week one, you said, okay, this is a name I've never heard of, and I said, you're right, no one's ever heard of him. But after you watched him play on Sunday night when he took over that first week for Blake Jarwin, he'd look good. He's looked good since. Now, he didn't catch a touchdown last week, so that did hurt him a little bit. But in full-point PPR, dude still got your double-digit points. You will take that every day of the week if you can get it. So I think Dalton Schultz is a start. Logan Thomas is a start only in full-point PPR. I think you can justify it. But right on the bubble, I'd rather take the touchdown upside of Jimmy Graham. And despite the matchup being very tempting for Austin Hooper, and it is, I think I would still sit him in favor of some of these other guys we just talked about. Yeah, Schultz had a great week two weeks ago. Last week, ended up benching him in a league and played Goddard because I just thought Goddard was a rock-solid start last well, week. Well, he got hurt. Uh, what can you do, you know, when you get hurt? Uh, maybe costing me a win in a league last week. But, yeah, I'll be back on the Schultz train this week. And 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 I, and I think that they figured him out a little bit. They, they now know who he is, and they have some videos. Mm-hmm. So the idea that he'll go back to being a 25-point tight end seems a little far-fetched. But, yeah, I mean, he's a tight end one um, moving forward, especially a back-end guy at the very least. Mm-hmm. Okay, now the quarterback we go. And Joe Burrow, the rookie, has another start this week and a winnable one against Jacksonville. We have Ryan Fitzpatrick against Seattle. Kirk Cousins has really struggled this season. He's got a matchup at Houston. Tom Brady's been a little bit up and down, but fair enough. Uh, borderline start against the Los Angeles Chargers. And then Carson Wentz, a lot of people are freaking out in the game last night because they posted a, a preview of the game coming up this weekend <laughs> on television. show, And they put a picture of Nick Mullins and not Carson Wentz. I guess that insulted some people. But look, Wentz has just not had a good start. 
No, uh, Nick Mullins has though. And that, that's another guy too, that I think you could start now that you mentioned him. If you're in a super flex league, why wouldn't you start him against the Eagles? He seems like he has a really good grasp of the Kyle Shanahan offense. So to go off topic just for a moment, if you've got somebody who's looking for that second quarterback this week, why not Nick Mullins against the Eagles? I think it makes perfect sense, especially you're getting some weapons back. Debo's supposed to be back. Kittle's supposed to be healthy. So all of a sudden, Nick Mullins doesn't look all that bad. Uh, but the rest of these quarterbacks, for me, Fitzpatrick is definitely a start in Superflex this week uh, against Seattle. I think you can definitely uh, throw him out there and see what happens. There's always risk with him, but there's some reward as well. Joe Burrow, to me, has kind of earned a good QB2 rating here where you feel pretty good about him every week against Jacksonville. This should be a good matchup for him. Certainly, this defense will continue to give up points for the Cincinnati Bengals, which means Joe Burrow's going to have to make more points, and that is a good thing for your fantasy team. Now, this might be a hot take to some people, but I'm going to throw this out there. I think the desperation of the Minnesota Vikings makes Kirk Cousins a more interesting play this week than either Tom Brady or Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz has not played well. Brady's been very inconsistent, and that Chargers defense is pretty good. Despite the hiccup last week, the Chargers defense is, I think, for real. So is that pass rush. And I think whenever you have a quarterback that tends to be a little bit more pocket-heavy, I think that could be a very long day for him when you have guys like Ingram and Bosa kind of right on top of him. So keep that in mind. The offensive line is all is okay for Tampa, but in terms of protection too, if Fournette is out of this game and they're down to just one running back in Ronald Jones, they could be a little bit one-dimensional. And if that happens, I don't know, Tom Brady becomes a little scary here for me. And I actually think Kirk Cousins is a dice roll that I'm willing to take as crazy as it sounds because of the matchup and because of the desperation. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for Cousins to hit that button and, and pick up right where he left off last year. The only difference is, is at this point last year, the Vikings weren't a team without a win. And so, look, they really don't have any other options. They, they kind of have to get him going. And, look, Houston hasn't looked good either. The, the one thing that I worry about this, Joe, is this game is that you have Zimmer and you have Bill O'Brien – and over the last year or so, both coaches have been so conservative with their play calling and the running that, like, this is one game in particular I look at the total and think it could potentially go under, even with the good defense that Houston has had in the past. And they looked horrible this year. The Vikings looked horrible this year. But every time these two teams get the ball, as you mentioned, even with Fangio on first down, it's a run, like, every single time. And it's just a oh. clock killer. So I, I, I can't. Maybe this is the week for Cousins. I don't think he's done. I think he'll still be okay, but it's super hard for me to endorse him. It's just after what I've seen, it's re it's easier for me to endorse Wentz than it is Cousins. Mm -hmm. Well, in all fairness, too, you know, because the Vikings defense has been so bad, the Vikings offense has scored points for the most part this year. So he's made some mistakes, and that's what Kirk Cousins does sometimes. But I think the emergence of Jefferson last week and the confidence builder there is a positive. Dalvin Cook is all world. And I think when you look at the Texans, and the other side of this game, uh, you kind of mentioned it yesterday. David Johnson looks done. And if indeed he is, well, it's going to be a lot more Deshaun Watson. This game could turn out to a shootout. I personally like the over in this game because of the way these two defenses have played. And as good as Dalvin Cook is, I just don't think they're going to ground and pound the entire time. It just hasn't been what they've done so far, and they haven't been able to do that so far. So for me, I'm looking at this one as a two teams in desperation. I actually think Houston's going to win this game. But to me, I think there's a ton of points to be had. And I think the sneaky one is over on the Minnesota side because you can actually figure out who that's going to be. You can like Thielen, you can like Cook, you can like Cousins, right? When it comes to the Texans, I like Watson, 
but it's a free-for-all with everything else. Is it going to be Cooks? Can Will Fuller stay healthy for an entire game and be productive? Is it going to be Randall Cobb showing up? There's so many question marks. It makes it very difficult to pin down for Houston's side of this game. All right, we got a lot of DFS discussion here to come on the show. In fact, coming up next, we're going to go over some of the sneaky values on FanDuel this week, potentially some players that you may want to start. Joe will weigh in on that. Also, Jim Sanis from Number Fire is going to join us in about 20 minutes to go over the entire slate in DFS for the Sunday. Also, picks to come with Howard Bender on our Super Contest selections, but we got to take a quick break and be back stay on the sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com we've got our updates coming up at the top of the hour and all the top stories in fantasy of course the nfl continues this weekend college football continues Tonight, BYU and Louisiana Tech may have to get some action on that one. Like the dog a little bit in tonight's game, but uh, certainly big line for BYU. They've played some great football. Of course, uh, great football on deck in the NFL as well. And let's take a look at some of the potential guys that you can dig down into your pocket, Joe, and maybe pull out a few pennies, a few nickels, a few dimes, put them together and jump in on the FanDuel Sportsbook and pick some players that don't cost you nine or 10000 this week. Well, the whole point is to find a couple guys that you can spend up a lot on guys like Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook. And let me tell you, you're going to need those kind of guys this week because there's not a whole lot of great running back play out there. We highlighted a few guys, but still, uh, with so many guys hurt with CMC and Saquon, missing some guys this week in the slate like Derrick Henry and uh, James Conner, all of a sudden things become different. So James Robinson at running back becomes very intriguing. The guys on pace for over $1,500 purpose yards, great matchup against Cincinnati, just 6.6K. That is a phenomenal value considering how much he's involved in this offense. Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback against Seattle at 7.1K. Very nice opportunity here for him to come back with some points. It's a GPP play more than a cash game play, but still one worth taking a shot on because it allows you to go up to the top of the board for guys like Kamara that I mentioned earlier. Nobody has given up more points to the slot wide receiver than the Buffalo Bills this year. Just go back and look at last week, how they struggled against them. And this week it's going to be Hunter Renfro. He is just 5.3 K against Buffalo. And I'll tell you what, uh, with Waller banged up with rugs out and a couple other pieces banged up, it's a good chance that Renfro is going to see a fair amount of target share. And last is Mike Gusecki, who leading tight ends in reception. Uh, he used to be targets uh, in the red zone. He's only got two receptions, but both of them are touchdowns with a big expected total in that game against Seattle. I like Gusecki, and that's a nice cost-effective pairing along with Fitzpatrick. Yeah, and, and look, the Seattle Seahawks certainly are a team – that is scoring a lot and they're giving up a lot. And I think the same thing could end up happening for Miami this week. They played very well with Byron Jones at defense last week. He's back to being doubtful uh, for Miami this week as they take on the Seattle Seahawks. He's a very important piece that they have in the defensive backfield. Okay, coming up, top of the hour, we'll have our sports, our fantasy, our wagering. Everything is going on this weekend. We'll preview it all next in hour two of Fantasy Sports today. Stay tuned. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 